0: Hello out there to whoever's listening. This is Pastor Tim Dooner of Valley Forge Presbyterian Church, and I welcome you to the sixth episode from a fall-winter 2019 series on Christian and congregational vitality. This uh, episode is entitled, Marks of Christian Vitality, Caring Relationships. I invite you to... and. Uh, enjoy and to become centered now by a time of quiet and stillness as we prepare to think about this together. Okay, what I share for your consideration and imagination in this episode is in response to a portion of Paul's letter to the Roman Christians. This is from the 15th chapter of that letter. He wrote, We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself. But, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may, with one voice, Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We are grateful for how God uses this scripture to shape and inspire and call us. So this consideration, this episode, is part um, of a series of episodes um, originally offered in worship on Sunday mornings on what it looks like to have a Christian or congregational vitality, to be vital in our spiritual life, whether as an individual or as a church together. We've acknowledged that just as beating hearts and expanding lungs are a sign that a body has vitality, that which it needs for life to continue, that there are seven signs of vital Christianity We've considered in this series so far, lifelong discipleship orientation, authentic evangelism, living with an outward focus, um, empowered ministry by all the people of the church, and worship that is spirit-inspired, God-centric. These episodes uh, are um, a part of this podcast, encourage you to go back and listen if you um, have not done so already. In this episode we consider the sixth sign of vital Christianity, and that is caring relationships. Uh, Back in uh, the spring of this year, um, I offered a number of reflections in our worship services on the concept of koinonia. And koinonia is a Greek word for this actual concrete way of human life that we naturally adopt in, in our living together when we take what Jesus taught about God and humanity and we implement it into our daily living. Koinonia is the way of life of Christianity. Our way of life is not meant to be individualism or consumerism or judgment and division or even habitual and self-focused religious ritual. Our way of life as Christians is to be koinonia, which is an intentional partnership and collaboration an intentional sharing of all things in common as a community, interdependence and interconnection of every human life, so that by the shared nature of our life together, all might flourish. If koinonia, connectedness and interdependence, and the flourishing of every human life that it nurtures, if that's really our framework for understanding how we human beings are to relate to one another in relationships, then it's obvious that those relationships are going to be caring. Jesus told his followers, by this the world will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, if you have agape love, a posture of intentionality for the sake of the other, regardless of merit and without the expectation of anything in return, that's how the world will know that you are my disciple if we are people of Christ-like love with relationships of caring, there's a myriad of ways that two humans can relate to one another, Um, a myriad of ways from which we can choose. We can choose to be indifferent toward others. We can choose to be judgmental of and and then differentiate ourselves from others. We can choose to be antagonistic or violent toward others. We can choose to offer facades of politeness and pleasantries to others, but then not actually care underneath the mask of kindness. We can say that we're a friend and neighbor, but then we can betray that pledge with gossip or slander. We can choose to be tribal or clicky or club-like Opening ourselves to some who are like us, but not to everyone else, including those who are not like us. We can choose to be welcoming. We can choose to be impartial. We can choose to be helpful. We can choose to forgive and to reconcile. We can choose to love. We can choose to care. In this letter to the early Christians in Rome, Paul wrote, We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We who are strong, strong being the Greek word for having the ability. We who very much have the ability to do so ought to put up with. Uh, Put up with is a Greek word for to bear or lift up. The failings, the weaknesses, the infirmities, the places of need of the weak, which is the Greek word for those who are unable, those who are incapable. If we are able, we care for those who are incapable or unable to care for themselves. Koinonia, intentional sharing of ourselves in relationship, by which everyone is able to flourish. So Paul then wrote, each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. This is not to Paul, and Optional facet of the human experience. Loving the neighbor and participating in God's love within the context of our relationships with others is not just something that people on a mission committee do. It's not just something that only the best church people do. Each of us, all of us, must please, which means to uh, willingly render service to our neighbor, that Greek word for please. Each of us must willingly render service to our neighbor for the good, the godly purpose of building up the neighbor. And this word for building up, it's a verb that means to edify, to figuratively build up someone so that they are a dwelling place for God and God's goodwill. We serve others until their lives are full of God's will, embodying and displaying God's will of flourishing for them. Paul's teaching here, and all his teaching, it's based on his emulation of Jesus, which which as the church, as Christians, is always at the heart of who we all are. Remember that first vital sign of Christianity, lifelong discipleship orientation, seeking every day to be more fully shaped to the example of Jesus. Paul wrote that Jesus did not seek to please himself, he didn't seek to render his services only unto his own ends. In every encounter he had with others, every relationship, whether with family, friend, stranger, or enemy, he never put his own desires above the needs of the other. He did not seek to please himself. Jesus was never indifferent toward another. He was never antagonistic or violent. He never offered faux politeness or pleasantries without actual regard for the other. He never said he was a friend, but then acted otherwise by gossiping or slandering behind that person's back. He never allowed his disciples to be a social club, or a clique, or a tribe. He never let them believe that they were different or better than anyone else, and he never let them judge, demean, label, or become indifferent to others. Jesus chose to be welcoming. He chose to be impartial, non-judgmental. He chose to be inclusive. He chose to be hospitable. He chose to be forgiving. He chose to reconcile. He chose to love. He chose to care. And so Paul wrote, May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus. That word steadfastness means patience and constancy and waiting. And the word encouragement is from the Greek word from which we get the word paraclete, which is used by John in his gospel to describe the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, in and among us in the world. Pericle, it's this word described used to describe how God intervenes directly in our lives to motivate and inspire us and to help us to do something in particular. We might hear the word encourage and think of a parent cheering on a child from a distance, disconnected and, and actually unable to help, like, oh, Timmy, hit the ball. But it doesn't mean that. It means God's Spirit actively intervening to get us to act. We imagine a parent coming alongside of or behind a child, holding the bat with the child, helping the child to swing the ball, swing the bat so that he or she hits the ball. It's, It's not a disconnected encouragement. It's an intervention and help. God is constantly moving through us, patient and constantly working with us and in us, trying to move, motivate, inspire us to live in harmony with each other. God of encouragement. And this text translated as live in harmony with one another. What God is encouraging us to do, live in harmony with one another, more literally means be of the same mind. It doesn't mean that we get to choose what that same mind is. If we both if we both hate the same sports team, or if we both hate the same kind of people, God's not trying to bring us together to start a we-hate-fill-in-the-blank club of other like-minded folks. Paul would never say that God's God was trying to bring together people who have the same racist or, or white supremacist mind. Paul is not saying that God's trying to bring people together who are the same, but then exclude those who are not. That's We don't get to choose the mind that we have. God is patiently and constantly working in us, trying to get us to live together with the same mind, which is in accordance with Jesus. The same mind that we are to have is the mind of Christ. Yes, we can have other minds, but the point of being a Christian and a sign of vital Christianity is that we find ourselves having the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is the mind of love for God and neighbor. The mind of Christ is the mind of serving the other, even if to the detriment of the self. The mind of Christ is the mind that never prejudged, judged, labeled, disconnected from, or condemned anyone. Whether that was leper, mentally ill, bleeding woman, Samaritan, Roman, divorcee, women of ill repute, tax collectors, Even those who rallied for his death are actually hammered in the nails of his crucifixion. The mind of Christ is the mind that is open in love and grace and welcome to all. Paul wrote that as we do this, as we allow our relationships with one another and our relationships with all those in the world around us to be in accordance with the mind of Christ, as we have actual, authentic, loving, serving, caring relationships with all others, that it is to the glory of God that we glorify God together, that it makes God's truth and will on display. It does not glorify God to judge or belittle another. It does not glorify God to gossip or slander another. It does not glorify God to build walls around ourselves and lock our doors to the people we think are less worthy than we are. It does not glorify God to be blissfully unaware or indifferent to others. It glorifies God when our relationships with family, friends, stranger, and enemy and like are defined by love and caring. So Paul says, therefore, there's the bottom line of is uh, teaching to these early Christians in Rome. Therefore, welcome one another, just as Christ welcomed you. And that Greek word translated as welcome is proselambino, which means to receive to the place of being with the self, to take unto the self with strong personal interest. And the Greek word for one another is one of mutual interest and reciprocity. So we're here, Paul's invitation to, with the mind of Christ, Eliminate any disconnection or distance or differentiation that is between us and anyone else. That family member, that friend, that stranger, that enemy. Take each other unto yourselves with personal interest. Relationships that are built on unconditional love and care rather than relationships that are built on convenience or shared interest or mutual hatred of another, club belonging or whatever. Relationships built on unconditional love and care glorify God. Caring relationships are the lifeblood of vital Christianity. They're the lifeblood of humanity as God intends. Whether our shared work and witness is the church, shared life in families, shared life in communities, or shared life in the global sense. Caring relationships are the means by which God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. If our relationships are not relationships of care, we are handicapping God's ability to accomplish God's will. God's will for our congregation, our community of faith will only be accomplished, our relationships among one another, are relationships of care. Maybe we know stories from other churches or from our own history, or even from our church right now, where a lack of caring and kindness in relationships among the congregation are detrimental to the unity the atmosphere, the membership of the congregation. Looking forward, excuse me, looking forward, our congregation will not survive and thrive through the challenging season of transition that is coming if our relationships are club like, judgmental, gossipy, or polite, but detached from care. We must care. God's will for the community around us, which God seeks to accomplish through our participation in God's work in King of Prussia will only be accomplished if our relationships with the people of our community are relationships of care. God's mission through us will not thrive if our relationships with the people of our town are relationships of indifference, judgment, or polite, but detached from real care. We must care. God's will for our community will be accomplished as our relationships with each other and with the poor, the hungry, the homeless, the helpless, the judge, the labeled, the oppressed, the abused, the forgotten, the faithless, the Catholic, the non-Christian, the gay, the old, the young, the person of color, the et cetera, et cetera, are not relationships of indifference or judgment or disconnection, but relationships of Christ-like love and care, relationships of actively seeking ways to please our neighbor rather than self, Relationships that seek the mutual drawing together into reconciliation and connection. Relationships that lead to the flourishing of every man, woman, and child. We are the church. We're not a club. We're not a community of moral superiority. We're not a community of conditional belonging. We are a community of unconditional caring. We are bound not by our shared interests, but by our shared commitment to love in accordance with Christ. We're not known as disciples of Christ by the ways that we believe. We're known as disciples by the ways that we love and care. Therefore, we're known as disciples not by the words of any book, statement, or confession, but by the character of our relationships with each other and with the world. In and by our Christ-like relationships of love and care, may God be glorified, and may our Christianity be vital. Amen. May God bless your reflections and your prayers.